0: another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness monster ooh that would be pager who jim bob goley holy moly how about the tasmanian slovenian with the stop drop and pop tiffany hop uh, in the king's herald barbershop
1: you're listening to the king's herald show a bi-weekly nba podcast that covers all the ups and downs ins and outs of your one and only sacramento kings as always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the Kings Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteras. Tony, how's it going?
2: Will, the Kings are 2-1, just beat LA, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. I don't know, I think it's going to be a good uh, good Monday.
1: It feels like a good Monday to me, too. So, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of the WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, true pride of French like himself, it's Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you here today. How's it going?
0: Well, it's uh, just great to be with you guys, especially after a Win over the hated lakers so uh good monday
1: a good monday a good monday so the nba season is here um and the kings have started two and one with uh wins over the utah jazz on opening night and the aforementioned uh lakers drubbing on uh on sunday night in overtime um single loss being uh, against the warriors in the home opener in sacramento um we'll get into the games uh we'll talk about uh how individuals are doing so far this season but we got to deal with some uh Maybe the single most impactful thing of the last two weeks. The um, Air Fox is going to miss time after spraining, uh, spraining his ankle on a layup in the second half of the Kings' win um, against the Lakers. Fox initially walked back to the locker room on his own volition, checked back in, got the Kings to overtime, where he then did not play. And after the victory was uh, helped back to the locker room, uh, Sham Sharania and Sam Amick both reported that Fox had avoided a significant injury However, he, sus- uh, he sustained a, a moderate sprain of his right ankle and is likely to miss, in their words, quote-unquote, some time. So, uh, Jerry, Tony, talk to me a little bit about the significance of the uh, Fox injury with the Kings squad, uh, especially if he has to miss a few weeks worth of games here.
0: Well, if he has to miss a few weeks, that's uh, serious stuff. And I'm hoping that, you know, you're talking about a couple of games. Uh, if it's a, just a normal sp- uh, sprain that might be the case, but uh, you know, the high ankle sprain kind of thing that if that's what it is, it can drag out. But uh, yeah, this team, <laughs> I they, you know, the old saying next man up, but there really isn't a next man up of Fox's caliber. There's uh, this team's deep and it's got some really good players, but uh, so I'm uh, you know, and 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 to Fox, I mean, my gosh, that guy's playing great, he's yeah, simply. One of the elite players in the league now and, and, you know, showed a lot of courage, you know, clearly if he hadn't come back, played on that bad ankle, the Kings wouldn't have won that game. So, right. uh, you know, for a guy that used to be termed soft, and I think he was early in his career, uh, there's nothing soft about him now. He's the real deal.
2: Yeah, I had it in my notes. Uh, just that Fox leads the league in total points right now at 94, and that's with missing some of the Lakers game with injury. Uh, 31 points per game. He's on a tear. He looks even better than last year somehow. I thought there was no um extra place for him to, to get better, but I honestly he looks better. He looks incredible. So the injury sucks, but at the same time, it's a really good opportunity for uh a few guys, but I'll just name Davion Mitchell. I feel like this is his moment here to kind of prove his worth a little bit, finally get that bigger opportunity that we've kind of been saying he needs to kind of show the Kings what kind of player he is. He's been struggling. So it's interesting timing for both players. But I feel like that's Fox, This the injury not being that serious, Fox will be back. He will continue to be awesome. What the Kings do while he's out is kind of what I'm watching and will be very interesting, I think, because a lot of pressure is suddenly on uh, Davion Mitchell to, to come through.
1: Yeah, we, we saw Malik Monk leading the Kings in overtime when the Fox when, when when Fox couldn't go against the Lakers. Uh do you see Jerry do you see Davion as the starting point guard with Fox on the mend or do you see something like Malik Monk being able to split time there? And and what other changes do you guys see to the lineup that Mike Brown might be considering with Fox out for a little bit?
0: Well, I I mean I do think it's probably between Davion and Monk and and I you know probably coach Brown would I don't know what he's thinking is he might want to keep Monk in his normal role you know, and, and play more minutes. Now, having said that, if you want to put your best team on the floor and have the best chance to win, uh, I'd start Monk <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and use Davion as the third guard, you know, bring bring him in that way. And, you know, he'd get a lot more minutes, but I, I just think uh, Monk is a, if you're trying to replace Fox, you better try to replace him with somebody closer to his ability and monks about as close as there is on the Kings.
1: How does a, uh, how does Fox's injury affect other starters, particularly like uh, Keegan and, and Domas Sabonis? Is this a situation where we see Keegan become a first or second option with Fox out, or do we just see like the herders and Barnes of the team get more shots and have a more even and spread out attack amongst them?
0: Well, well I do think that, uh, you know, a couple of things need, you know, certainly uh so impressed with Keegan and everything, but he and Barnes need to be hungrier. Uh, Sabonis for sure needs to be. He needs to take those open 15 footers. Uh, I mean, less. So I, I think you need more scoring in your front line. And, and uh, there's no doubt there are shots there for Sabonis. They're going to have to be created a little more for Keegan and Harrison, but we know uh, both are capable of scoring more. Uh, they've shown it. So. I think that's the easiest, if there is such a thing, is an easy way to make up for some of uh, Fox's scoring. That that's where it should be.
1: Jerry, Jerry, how would you go about as a coach approaching guys down the line like a Colby Jones or Chris Duarte That might like like Colby Jones has really only played garbage minutes. Um, uh, Duarte has played a little bit more meaningful minutes, but these are guys that might stand to see an increase in their their minutes. Um, how do you go about it as a coach approaching those guys? To be like, hey, be ready for a potential minutes increase with Fox on the Mound.
0: Well, that's exactly how you do it. I mean, I think you go to them and certainly talk to them about it that uh, we are expecting you, you guys to be ready to play. Uh, we think you're going to play more minutes, wouldn't promise anything. And then, certain but in practice situations, make sure that you've included them maybe a little more than normal so that they are thinking in terms of, you know, I'm I'm going to get on the court more.
1: The Kings schedule over the next few weeks, it's going to be, I just looked at the next two weeks, assuming that that's what Fox misses, which they haven't stated yet. Just kind of prognosticating myself here. Uh, the Kings play at Golden State. They play two games in a row in Houston. They play at home against Portland uh, and Oklahoma city and Cleveland, all those at home. Uh, is there any is there any uh, record amongst that that you'd see as kind of a disastrous start with Fox out, or do you feel like it's early in the season? Season doesn't start till thirty games in. The Kings lose six games in a row with Fox out. We're we're still a okay in terms of of a playoff run.
0: Well, there's a, clearly there's things you don't want to see and would put teams in a hole. I mean, if you go two and something, you're not going to feel very good about it. But as you pointed out, I mean, there's there is time to make up for it you know right now there's 79 to go and it's a long season so you know if somehow or another they could be 500 or better in this stretch i'd be terrific uh considered if fox is out extended games
1: tony as a a fan are you freaking out if the kings go two and four over the next six with fox sitting out
2: i won't freak out now but at the end of the season when every game is very important (laughs) there's playoff seating and playing games i'm going to probably look back at these moments where Fox was out and wish that he was healthy. I, I do think the schedule kind of broke uh, nicely for the Kings in this regard because you've got Houston twice and you've got Portland. You can, you can beat that team without Fox or you should be able to, I think even uh, one of those games is at home. I think the um, Portland game, yeah, the Portland game is at home. So there, those are when it's a winnable stretch without Fox, which is, I guess the best you can ask for.
1: Okay. So we're going to, we're going to move on from this particular injury. Obviously it's not good for the Kings but it's, it's better now than game 78. He, he goes and uh, sprains his ankle. Um, We're going to talk about the next three games in general. Uh, Pretend like the Fox injury hasn't happened or talk about it as if this was before the Fox injury, but uh, what did you guys like or see out of this first three game stretch of the season for the Kings, just in general, just your broad thousand feet above the, above the world?
0: Well, I, I love the depth of the team. I mean, I think it's improved. I think, uh, uh, you know, basically, they're a little better at their strength offense. I, I really kind of believe that. And the other thing is, even with the new additions, Vesnikov and, and Duarte in particular, and Je- Javel Je- Je- Jeve- McGee, the three key subs, uh, the unselfishness is still there. You know, they have blended right in. And, you know, certainly, uh, in my mind, Vesnikov is, uh, is really uh, fit in nicely you know, really more than willing to play without the ball. And, of course, uh, now getting confidence in the shooting. So, yeah, uh, you know, I I just like pretty much whatever I've seen. I mean, on the negative side, (laughs) I was talking, I think, with some people the other day, and I said that, you know, the good news is that this is a better offensive team. They're going to shoot the three, probably better. But there's nights they don't shoot it well. And when they don't, they're probably going to lose. I mean, that's uh, their, that's their game. And so, you know, it's kind of like the Warrior game. They did a lot of things well. They didn't make their threes. And so we're going to be probably all year long whining and whimpering when they get beat because they, they have a night where they don't make threes.
1: Tony, before I get to you, uh, I want to jump into Jerry's point there. The Kings are attempting 46.3 three-pointers per game. Uh, they're shooting, that's that's first in the league. They're shooting 34.5% from deep, which is 18th in the league. They've attempted exactly 300 shots this season in three games, 139 of them. So 10 off of just nearly half of them have been three-point attempts. Uh, is that sustainable? Should it even be sustainable that the Kings are taking this many threes this early in the season?
0: Well, for me, I I, I kind of wish they would take fewer. You know, I, I think that we see we're seeing three or four to five kind of tough forced threes. And, and if you, you know, I, I would like for him to take open shots, uh, open threes. And and so, you know, that that's my only thought on it. Uh, I just uh, I like the idea they're shooting a lot of threes. That's who this team is. But that then still means the same thing. Shoot easy, open threes.
1: So any the Kings addicted to the three point shot right now?
2: Uh, I Maybe they're addicted to threes, but I think Mike Brown is too. I, I'm sure everyone saw the clip the other night where Keegan Murray didn't shoot an open three and instead took it to the lane <laughs> and he almost got benched for traveling instead of just taking the three. So I know Mike Brown is at least in most of these players' ears telling them to shoot whenever they're open. And they, I mean, Will, you just listed off the stats. They're listening to Mike Brown and they're shooting those open threes. Uh, I think it's, I was looking at their numbers from last year. They shot a lot of threes last year. They've increased to that by 25%. So they're shooting 25% more threes through three games than they averaged uh over the course of last season. But this team has a bunch of shooters. I don't know how many of these players I would I would ask them to do something differently. I don't I like I want Sasha shooting threes. Fox is hitting them. I want him taking them when he can. Keegan and Barnes, that's one of their greatest assets. Monk too. So you could take better shots in some occasion, but for the most part, this is a three-point shooting team. I don't know how much how much you can change that identity. And also, when Mike Brown is benching you for not taking open shots, it's really going to solidify that in your mind that I need to shoot the rock if I have the ball and I'm open. So I, I don't expect that to go down a ton. But if if they start losing games because their three-point shooting gets super cold, then maybe there'll be an adjustment. But for now, I'm kind of with Mike Brown and, and uh, let these guys shoot. Tony, so, I, mean,
1: I want to go back to you, too, um, just on our more broad and general point. What did you see out of the guys so far that you've liked or disliked out of this first three-game stretch for the Kings?
2: Outside of the Warriors game, I just thought the bench has looked very good. Like, I've made a point to look at the score when the starters come out, the bench unit comes in, and for the most part, they've extended leads. It's a much deeper bench than they had at the beginning of the last year when we were looking at guys like Chemezi Metu, and um, I don't know, I don't know. Um, thankfully, I can't remember the rest of the guys. Off the Holmes, bench. Yeah, yeah Rashawn Hall. Yeah, yeah, a lot of guys who just were not performing. You go, go up and down this roster. Everyone who has played, I think, deserves the minutes they've got. They've had moments of playing well. It's only three games, but I really like the depth. I think the bench has been a huge, uh, strong, strong part of this team. And uh, the things that aren't going well that I'm sure we'll talk about, to me, seem very fixable. So I'm I'm very happy with what we've seen through three games so far.
1: Yeah. I guess just to talk about the bench for a second, this is without Trey Lyles who may or may not be their first or second most consistent player off the bench. Jerry, you mentioned Sasha fitting in really nicely. What happens when Trey Lyles comes back into the, uh, into the, into a healthy rotation who gets squeezed out there? How do they play that?
0: That's a great question. I thought about that too. And I, I mean, it is an issue because uh, Sasha is really playing well and, uh, probably needs more minutes, deserves more minutes. And uh, we know Trey Lyles is a good player, a very good player. Uh, the only thing I can see is where, uh, depending on circumstances, you might see Trey play more at five, you know, backing up Sabonis if they want to keep the same style going for for a longer periods. I mean, that certainly has nothing against JaVale McGee, but he's a totally different kind of player. And uh, But I, I can see where, You know, it's kind of to Tony's point, if you're going to shoot the three ball and that's your and I mean, Trey's a guy who can uh, shoot that and at playing as a five, uh, much easier to get open looks uh, with the three ball. So I I definitely uh, could see Coach Brown saying, hey, let's uh, let's just extend our strengths and shoot more of
1: them. I made a little bit of a note last last night when the Kings rolled out the end of the fourth uh, to try to win that game where they went with a micro ball lineup where it was, I think Sasha Vizankov was at five for a little bit. And then I think Harrison Barnes, like they even went even smaller there at the end of the game. Do you guys feel like that's a lineup that we're going to see the, the, is that, is that sustainable Jerry to have Trey at the five, Sasha at the four or Harrison at the four and Sasha at the five. Is that something that could be meaningful for the Sacramento Kings this season?
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think in, uh, in this league at this time, you know, in 2023, yeah, you can do that. Now, I don't think you can do it 48 minutes. I think that would be probably not too wise. But I, th- I definitely think you could play that way, 10, 12 minutes a half, if that's what you decided to do.
1: So let's uh, let's roll through some of these players. Um, my, my first thought was Fox, and we talked about him a little bit, just in case, just in terms of his injury and the impact that he's had before the injury. But what have you guys seen? Just just to summarize for for the listeners here. What have you guys seen from De'Aaron Fox uh, in this, this brand new season prior to the injury?
0: Well, from my standpoint, I mean, I he's become, you know, a, a true difference maker. You know, in in the Steph Curry, Damian Lillard category, those two older guards uh, of the young guards, uh, in my mind, he's right there with Luka Doncic, uh, Shea Gilgus Alexander, uh, Devin Booker. I mean, young guards that I consider difference makers. And, uh, you know, so that's a real step, you know, that, uh, you know, the, there, is, there will be a changing of the guards. And, uh, you know, you can make a case for any of those guys differently. Uh, but, I mean, these are, you know, difference makers are just that. They're difference makers. If they're on the floor, they're capable of doing things to lead you to wins. And there's not a lot of players that can do that. And so Kings haven't had one of those in a long time.
2: Yeah, for me, um, we touched on it a little bit, but last year on this podcast, I remember through the first week of the season, Fox was taking a lot of threes and he was missing a lot of threes. And we had kind of talked about maybe he should take fewer of those threes. And for the first time in his career, he's shooting the three at extreme volume and actually hitting the meta 37%, 38% rates at eight threes a game is just unlike anything Fox has ever done as a shooter before in his career. It's only three games. So who knows if that will continue, but if the three point shooting is legit and it turns around to that degree, then he's just that much more dangerous. And I also think it's worth mentioning his defense, which has not been perfect. It never really is, but he's had some moments this season already where he's getting a lot of deflections. He's putting more ball pressure, uh i don't know if that's just finally listening to mike brown or realizing what it's going to take for him to take another leap in his career but i've been pretty happy with his defensive effort i'll I'll give him that too
0: Boy, me too i i mean i think he's really close to being very good Yeah. i mean his length and quickness uh definitely he's uh taken it to heart i think coach brown and and to his own credit i mean he has he's decided to do that and uh you know, which again puts him in the elite group. Uh, I've always said, you know, that there's no doubt in my mind that he he's the best guard right now in King Sacramento Kings history. I think he's past Mitch. Uh, whether he'll keep it up, that's another issue. Where Mitch did for a few more years, but uh, I I think he's honestly I it, you know shows how old I am, but you know he's right there with Tiny Archibald, and uh, and Tiny Archibald people most people don't remember, but was probably the best guard in the league for about four or five years for Achilles surgery, but was unguardable, much like, you know, like Fox. And I, I think, uh, I think De'Aaron will pass him. I really do. I mean, he's just simply, simply a guy that can lead this team to a lot of wins for a lot of years. Obviously this
1: is a a small sample size. We are talking about a three game stretch, but is a, is a Darren Fox that can average 30 points a game, on 37% from three on high volume, 48% from the field with six assists, playing good defense, maybe trending towards better than good defense. Is this an MVP candidate in your mind if the Kings can win enough games? If, you know, obviously barring the injury being a big setback, is a guy like the way Darren Fox has played through these first three games, is that an MVP level candidate
0: for you guys? He is for me. I mean, really. And I I would say one other thing. I think – I don't know if he'll average 30 or not, but, but here, the key I think is he could, if he wants to, I mean, he, he can get high quality shots and, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's what great scorers can do. They can get shots when they want to and effective shots when they want to. And there's just not a lot of players in the league can do that. And if the Kings win, uh, you know, certainly Jokic is going to be a candidate, you know, Uh, the Embiid's but when you get past two or three guys I mean I don't know Uh, you know he's he he's in a small group if he's not listed in a a small group the way he's playing if he plays this way all year then that'd be ridiculous Uh, I mean I was arguing with somebody today you know I said I wouldn't I mean even if Dame Lillard was uh, 30 years old I wouldn't trade Fox for him right right today well, wow. You know, and I mean, I don't mean that as a slap on Dame. I mean, no. uh, he he's not, of course, right now, he's hes not the same player, but at that time, you know, at 28, well, Fox is, Fox is playing at that level, for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. If, if the Kings have the wins to support it, he should definitely be a candidate. The other thing with Fox to me, and just hearing Jerry, you talk, reminded me of this, that he... Doesn't really take bad shots. The occasional force three, but it seems like there has never been an instance that I can remember of teammates thinking he shoots too much or acting uh, in any type of negative way that he took a shot here and there. If anything, the Kings want him to keep scoring, want him to keep pushing, want him to keep shooting. So while 31 points per game is a lot and the volume is high, I would say it is coming to the detriment of no one. It's just him playing really smart basketball and the and the Kings wanting him, taking all the shots that he's taking. So it, it that to me... Makes it seem more sustainable than a very short sample size trend, but we'll see. But if he keeps doing this and the Kings are are winning games and finish at the top of the West, he should absolutely be in that MVP conversation at least. Yeah,
0: you know, that's the thing is uh, really with this team, and I think uh, you make a great point there. Is really in the fourth quarter and, and for most of the game, really uh, all the all the Kings players are happy to see and to help Fox score, you know, they're, they're, they're more than willing to defer to him. It's not like he's being selfish. They want him to, to be a score and look for himself. I mean, it's, it's a little bit, you know, like it's like, to me, it's a little bit like Luca or Shaguka-San Alexander. their teams clearly want them to, to go do what they do. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like that everywhere. It's just yes. it's
1: yeah, Jerry, it reminded me a little bit of like Russell Westbrook in his prime, where they were maybe doing it to the extreme, where it's like they're boxing everybody out, and letting the ball bounce four times so that Russ can go grab the rebound. But it, I mean, I was I was at the game against the Warriors, and in the fourth quarter, Fox played all twelve minutes. He scored twenty two points. I think the next person had five, and not a single person there was calling for the ball. Fox was not taking it out of their hands. He was he was the guy, and had it not been for him. The Kings probably would have gotten blown out at the end of that game. He was the guy doing everything possible to bring them back into it, even if it was for, uh, you know, a, a, something, a doomed effort, I guess. But he was the man through and through at at, at nobody's detriment at all. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, Domas next, just because he is the, the uh, second star in this binary star group that we've got going on right now. Have you guys felt that Domas has played on both sides of the ball uh, to start the season?
0: Well, I think he's played really well. You know, I think my only fault with him he's a little too unselfish. But I mean, you look at his stats. You know, about eighteen points, uh, uh, what fifteen rebounds or, yeah. or something. 15. I mean, he's he's. I mean, defensively, is he a great shot blocker and rim? No, but he, but does he work on defense? Yeah. I mean, the guy. I'll say I've said this before, and I mean it. I mean, there's never been a big in King's history. And, and I mean, King's history, I mean, Kansas City and Cincinnati that plays, <laughs> that plays as hard consistently as this guy. And, uh, you know, I was listening to some fan at, at the other day and I, I got a little tick just listening on 1140, I think it was. But he was saying, oh, you're never going to win a champion NBA championship with some bonus as your starting center. Well, maybe not. But uh, Embiid hadn't won one yet. Uh, I mean, I mean, really. Uh, well, Vladi didn't win one either with the king. So, I mean, it it's hard to do. And and the same thing was said about Jokic last year, that you're not going to win with Jokic. Remember, I mean, I remember that. I mean, I I know people that said it will don't won't remember they said it, but yeah, I I mean, yeah, he's got his flaws, but I I just think, my goodness, he's a he's a perfect. A guy to have with a guy like Fox uh, for sure. And, and with Keegan and those guys, because he's willing to do all the stuff that they're not particularly good at and, and that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I, you know, his stats, free throw lines down a little bit, but that'll come up and, you know, he's shooting 40% and three for God's sake. So shoot more of them.
1: There you go, Tony. So, what is? What is so, <laughs> go ahead, Jerry, go ahead.
0: No, I mean it was just one of those things. It's like, some I was telling the guy too. I said, "Well, yeah, the Kings uh, say say L.A. would trade uh, Anthony Davis for him. Well, Anthony is better. Uh, okay, now come uh, all of a sudden, though it's you get Anthony Davis and you got a better chance maybe. Uh, then he gets hurt and misses thirty games. Uh, and Sabonis is playing with James and just kicking ass, which is what he'd do down there. <laughs> so I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, just be thankful for what you got, for goodness sakes.
2: Tony, you thankful for Dilmass Sabonis? I'm very thankful for Dilmas. <laughs> I think he's been he's been excellent. He he's it's. He's been as advertised. I almost have nothing to say about him because he's doing exactly what we kind of all expect him to do, exactly what he did for for the majority of last season. It's just nice to see him without uh, a taped-up thumb. It's been nice to see him with two exposed thumbs that are working normally. That's my Sabonis takeaway.
1: Yeah, if if ad as as advertised, if that's eighteen and fifteen, I think that's a pretty damn good player. I, that's a, that's a nice advertisement. That's a Nike level advertisement. That's not a that's not a local couch shop. That is that is a national brand right there. And I feel like uh, at least early on in the season, he 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 just he's perennial one of those guys that just doesn't get enough love. We saw Kevin O'Connor or Kevin is that is that his name? Kevin K O C basically I, saying like. like The Kings are not going to win. They're going to realize this season that Sabonis is just not a winning player for them. They're going to need to trade him if they're going to want to win a championship. And Jerry, to your point, like, yeah, no, we might not win a championship. There's plenty of really good players that didn't win championships. You know, how many articles were written about Charles Barkley saying, oh, he's just not a guy you could win a championship with. He's still pretty damn good, all things considered.
0: Yeah, Carl Malone didn't win a championship. You know, uh, I mean, no, it's 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 pretty rare. I mean, that's that was like say this slam on Jokic, and I and I don't put Domas in the category of Carl Malone or Jokic sure. or or Barkley, uh, but but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, he's at worst probably a top four center in the world. So, you know, unless you can get something better. Unless Denver wants to trade Jokic, I'm just not sure how you get better at that position. You can get different, but but with the makeup of this team, I'm just not sure you can get better. So, you know, hey, I'm I'm thankful. I love watching him. I just wish he'd be a little more selfish. You know, uh, that that's all. So we'll roll through to Keegan. Keegan, I don't want to say Keegan is a
1: mixed bag. Keegan scoring is up. He's doing a lot more on offense. He's being asked to do a lot more on offense by Mike Brown, and he's. He's trying his hardest, though. At times, Mike Brown might want to pull him out for traveling, where he stopped and thought about driving instead of taking a three that was open. Uh, his shooting is down six or seven percent, field goal wise. His blocks are way up, his steals are way up. He is playing defense. He seems to be involved in a lot of different deflections and whatnot on the defensive end. How have you guys felt Keegan has done this season while he's taken on this larger role as the the third the third Musketeer here?
0: Well, Keegan's just uh, on the track for stardom. I think. I mean, you know, he's better in every phase. Who would have thought, you know, from November of last year to November of this year, that Keegan would be a pretty good rebounder, a certainly lively defender, uh, able to play off the dribble, looking for shots. Uh, no, I mean his his uh, improvement is just amazing to me, and I, I don't see why why it wouldn't continue, you know, it's kind of like a, reading what Clay Thompson said about him, you know, people were kind of, you know, boy, Clay Thompson, you know, talking about how what a remarkable time that Keegan's had in his improvement. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I remember Clay Thompson's rookie year. He wasn't as good as Keegan and he wasn't as good early on in this, his second year as Keegan. Now, I mean, for instance, I mean, I've said that about <laughs> Pager, but I mean, uh, come on, just just give the guy credit for where he is his second year in the league and the improvement he's made. We don't know if he's going to make another jump or two. But i also go back. He's way better in his second year than uh, De'Aaron Fox was.
1: Yeah.
2: That's yeah. a fact.
1: Yeah. Tony, how, do you, how have you felt that Keegan's done this, this season so far?
2: I kind of expected to, after the game ended last night, I expected to talk – a little bit negatively about Keegan, just about his shooting and his efficiency. And then I kind of did the same thing that you were just rattling off. Well, I went to basketball reference. I looked at what he's done in total. And I I can't say too much negative about his shooting when his rebounds are exactly where we asked them to be. And they're much better. His blocks, he's averaging over a a full block more than he did last year, a full steal more than he did last year. So his numbers outside of shooting are are basically up across the board. Free throw shooting is also down. And the shots that he's missing to kind of tank the short sample size numbers are largely wide open threes that I want him and expect him to take. So I will, I will take what Keegan's done through three games and place a heavy bet that it's only going to get better from here with the shooting.
1: So we'll talk about the gentleman that uh, has kind of uh, suffered from the opposite effect as everyone else uh, starting on this Kings unit, I guess, Uh, Kevin Herter. Kevin's averaging the lowest points that he's had. um, I mean, literally in his career as a rookie, he averaged more points than he is right now. He's shooting, uh 23.5% from three. He is he's down basically across the board and everything, but but rebounds. Kevin's slumping a little bit. He seemed to break out of that a little bit, didn't have a great game against the Lakers, but he 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 hit the shots that mattered. He he grabbed a couple of really clutch rebounds. He he was throwing bodies on people where he was being physical in a way that I haven't really seen from Kevin Herter a little bit. Um, how have you guys felt Kevin Herter has played and maybe 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 give us a a path to get him back on track, or if you think he's already back on track with this game against the Lakers.
0: Well, in my mind, he's, he's played poorly. There's no doubt. I mean, to date as Tony pointed out that some of the stats, but, but I mean, uh, uh, you know, he's a proven product now, you know, I I just credit Mike Brown for sticking with him because, and, and, you know, I think is the right thing to do. It's, it's like, well, Kevin's should be in his prime. Now, he played poorly in the preseason. He played poorly uh, so far overall, but he made a huge shot to win a game. Uh, but he's a guy that you need on this team and you need playing well. And there's reason to believe, a lot of reasons to believe, that he will. Yeah. You know, and I always say, too, people always say, well, he played poorly in the playoffs. Yes, he did. But he's had great playoffs with the Atlanta Hawks. I saw him. So, you know, it's not like a guy who hasn't done it. And <laughs> so, and, and like I say, a lot of coaches would not have had the patience would have panicked or maybe, you know, and, and really, you know, players are fragile. I don't care how many, <laughs> how many years they've had, they're fragile. And that's why they're so good. They're, they're, they're flighty, they're thoroughbreds. And so you, you know, you have to, ride him with the soft bit sometime, and I think, <laughs> uh, and I think that was that's Kevin. So, you know, I mean, and, and knowing Mike Brown, it's like he did. He'd, he'd jerk his chain a little quicker if he's not getting yeah. this stuff done, and that's a, that's what you should do. But now, just uh, let's let's look at this thing ten games from down, see where we are.
1: Jerry, is that how you'd approach it with Kevin if you were the coach? Would you just tell him, don't worry about it, we'll reevaluate 10 games from now? How would you How would you go to Kevin in the locker room and tell him, hey, dude, you're not shooting well, keep shooting? Yeah, well,
0: I'd, I would just tell him, you, you know, you you proved you're our starter. You're still our starter until you clearly prove you're not. And so uh, we're not going to make a rash judgment on a f- few games. But, uh, we, you know, I'd, I, but I'd be honest with you, May, if you're – playing like this in 10 games yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a a heart-to-heart
2: talk
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tony what about you have you felt about Kevin Herter's play
2: I've been disappointed like everyone I, I do think it's we've talked about how many threes the Kings are shooting this year to me it's interesting that arguably their best shooter last year has hit almost none of those so signs of more and more to come, I guess, if Herder ever does turn things around. But Jerry kind of kind of mentioned what I thought was the most interesting part of the Herder conversation so far is that Mike Brown is kind of playing this to me. And i have never been a coach, never been an NBA player, kind of playing this perfectly to me, where Duarte is eating into his minutes and he is benching Herder when Herder is really underperforming. I think it was the Warriors game where Herder uh started the game, did not come back in throughout the entire first half. Duarte ate up all those minutes and then Duarte closed a bunch uh, uh, of, played a bunch of closing minutes against the Warriors, played a bunch of closing minutes against LeBron uh, in the Lakers until Herder eventually came in. But that's the point is Mike Brown eventually put him back in for overtime and gave him a big role. So he went, he went from, you know, taking stuff away from him when he wasn't playing well to then giving him another opportunity in crunch time in a very big game against the Lakers to kind of show. That he can do it. So to me, Mike Brown is kind of playing this perfectly so far where the leash is short, but he's still giving her plenty of opportunities to break out of the slump. And hopefully that the Lakers game was a sign of things to him because even it was two moments in that Lakers game. He hit the big shot, but he also had a block. I think it was on Anthony Davis, uh, a help block. He was playing hard. So uh, I'm much more optimistic today after that Lakers game than I was after those first two games
1: lastly for the starters we'll talk about harrison barnes for a second harrison had maybe the best first half of a king this season uh he he scored 33 points in the opener uh went nearly perfect i think in the first half and then basically didn't get past the ball for most of the second half uh then wound up scoring 10 and 8 in the next two games um he, he shot fairly well that second game didn't shoot very well the third he's just been harrison barnes i feel like this has been like that's the most Harrison Barnes I can think of. He'll go off for thirty, and the next game he'll have ten, and he'll go off for twenty-five, and then he'll have three. Uh, how have you guys felt like Harrison Barnes has played as the as the preeminent vet of the team? How has Harrison pulled off uh, his season to start?
0: Well, I think he's played well. He's played like Harrison. You know, I mean, I always like said uh, he's a good player. Uh, he isn't as good as you want him to be. Uh, yeah. but he's a good player <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and he, he's, he's, he's good enough that he'd be tough to replace. Sure. And, and, and they, that's the reason he's here. He hadn't, they haven't been able to do that. I'm not sure it's a difficult job. Yeah. And my, my yeah. biggest contention with Harrison, he's a little bit like uh, Domas. He he just simply doesn't look for himself enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, he really is too unselfish and, and, and allows others to play when maybe he should be playing a little more. I mean, so he'll blend in to a fault. And kind of like Domas will get everybody but himself involved to a fault. And so, but those are, if that's your worst flaw, that's a pretty good one.
2: Yeah, for me with Barnes, uh, he's having a fine year. The Kings haven't needed a ton from him. Uh, so that's always helpful. It, it it lets him fly under the radar even more when the Kings are, are doing pretty good, despite him, uh, not despite him, but with him not contributing a ton outside of that Utah game where Barnes makes his money to me is when he does have those moments of taking games over when they do need him. And with Fox out maybe more than anyone else. I look to Barnes as all right, Barnes, these, this is the stretch of games where we need more from you. Like you can kind of coast for a lot of these games because they're fine. Most nights without him being a, a big contributor. But on these nights of the Fox, these got to be good Barnes nights.
1: We've talked about some of the pieces off of the bench. We've talked a little about Sasha or Chris Duarte. We've talked a little bit about Davion Mitchell. You guys have anything else to say about the bench? We haven't talked about JaVale McGee at all. Do you guys have any impressions on, on how JaVale's done so far this season or any of the other guys off of the bench?
0: Well, I think Javale's been exactly who he thought he was. He is who he thought he was. I mean, he uh, he can provide some rim protection. You know, it's it's one of those. Uh, of course, I always say that block shots are maybe the most overrated thing in the game. And he had a great one and blocked it. You know to them and they scored, you know,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, that, but that's, that's the block shot, you know, I mean, you, you know, unless you're Bill Russell, you can't block it and keep it. <laughs> I mean, not many guys can do that, but uh, yeah. And, and, you know, offensively he's very selective has been the last few years. Uh, I, I just think he's exactly what they hoped they'd get, you know, in a limited backup center, a veteran that knows, can fit in. And if he plays 15 minutes, he'll give you pro- productivity. If, if he doesn't play, I don't think he's going to powder be a problem. So uh, I think good pickup. I, I think I was so glad they got him and got, didn't keep New Noel because that would have been hard, <laughs> hard for me to deal with. But uh, uh, so, and then Davion, I've been disappointed in Davion's play. I mean, it's unusual for him to get in foul trouble, Uh, but I mean, generally speaking, he is an aggressive guy, so we know that's very possible. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the stretch with Fox out would be a good opportunity for Davion to step it up and he needs to, he needs to, he needs to get, you know, he just needs as a, on the offensive end to get more done. He doesn't have score more as far as I'm concerned, but he has to get more done and, uh, and you know, not just be a dribbler up the floor. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so we'll see. You know, we'll see.
2: I like the bench unit. I think for JaVale McGee specifically, the fact that he's 36 years years old and to me still has, I don't know, 90% of the athleticism left in him, he's still jumping up for lobs and blocking shots like he's 25. It's crazy. And also McGee and Monk seem to have really good pick and roll chemistry, which just gives them one more weapon off the bench, something they maybe didn't have so much of last year at center is... When in doubt, you can run a pick and roll between monk and, and and McGee and someone's getting a good shot, whether it's McGee for a for an oop or Monk just pulling up. That's a nice option for the bench to have,
1: yeah. the the one thing that that has surprised me about JaVale is there was a a highlight pass that he made to Sasha last night in the Lakers oh, yeah. game where he yeah. just threaded the needle between some guys. But he's made some other passes that I was like, I didn't, I didn't realize that Javail McGee could pass like this. Have you guys been to so Have you guys seen any of that at all?
0: Well, you know, the last few years, I mean, he's become a better basketball player. Yeah. You know, when he came to the league, he was really kind of a, just an athlete looking for a game and got himself in a lot of trouble because of it, you know, uh, some of the mistakes, but I really think his time, you know, with the Lakers, with Golden State really was good for him. You know, he played with great players. And, uh, so, so yeah, I think that, you know, 36, uh, you're getting exactly what you thought and he's a better little better basketball player uh probably than you thought he was and, and uh so that's all bonus. We'll uh, we'll wrap up with
1: the Kings here. Um they're currently um third in the league in points per game at 125 a game. They're the fourth fastest pace. Their offensive rating is seventh in the league. Their defensive rating is 19th in the league, which is uh which is far better than what they were for last the last year, it's obviously a small sample size. What do the Kings need to do, especially now with Fox out? What do they need to tighten up in the next six or so games uh, between now and the next time we talk for you guys to feel like the Kings are headed in the right direction?
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, without Fox, I mean, that the only thing I can think of is that you know, you just have to get better offensive production from Keegan, from Sabonis, from Harrison Barnes in particular. I think a little more offense from those guys just so that coach brown knows if fox is out again at some point that you can you you know where you can go to get your points and uh and then of course you, you'll also have a chance to find out if your bench is as good or deep as you want it to be and uh, so to my mind it a lot of things really go to vesnikov uh, davion mitchell and duarte i think javel's a given uh there you know what he is. But I think between those three guys, you'd like to see more from all three and uh, they'll get the chance.
2: I'm I'm pretty happy with the way this team is playing. I mean, there's, there's players individually who can do better. There's, there's team aspects like team defense that can always be better. Although I thought the Kings have had some stretches of really good defense. The, the, in the Lakers game, there was some stretches of really good defense. They don't hold it together for 48 minutes, but most teams don't. Uh, And I don't think we've talked about Duarte too much on the podcast yet, but just Duarte maybe finding his shot a little bit more. Cause I think his defense is earning him minutes and it's the shot that is kind of keeping Kevin Herter in the lineup. So if one of them can put a complete game together where there's some offense and defense coming out of one of those players um, that might clarify things for Mike Brown a little bit, but I don't have any sweeping complaints or issues with the way this team is playing. I've been pretty impressed. And I, I guess the only other big picture thing is I've watched a lot of basketball And I feel better about the Kings today than I did at any point during the offseason while all these other teams are making (laughs) splashy moves. Then you get to the regular season and you actually start watching these teams play. And I think the Kings can compete with anybody in the West, maybe not named the Denver Nuggets. Uh, This team is very good. They're as good as anyone else. Um, So (laughs) provided no no catastrophe or things fall apart, I think this team will be very competitive all year. I'm very excited to see these games every night. I wish they were playing tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm with Tony there. I I mean, short of, the, you know, short of Denver and, and the Boston Celtics, that's the only two teams that I, I look at and say, you know, those two teams really do have more talent and, yeah. and it would be tough to beat. I, I would have thought that about Milwaukee, but I'm not sure about that anymore either. Uh, I, I think that's a little closer than I originally thought. So, you know, but that's a. It's also true you could say I had about several other teams. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the good news is the Kings are are close to the very top ones. And <laughs> the bad news is so are twelve others. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: any other storylines from outside of the Sacramento stratosphere that has piqued your interest early on in the season? Any uh any particular players or teams uh performing, succeeding, failing? Anything else that you guys have seen so far this season?
0: Well, I, I've watched a couple of the uh, the rookies and, uh, you know, just general impression was Wim Banyana is not the next LeBron James yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, his potential is great, but uh, he, you know, LeBron was great day one as, you know, as we all know, we saw it. Uh, Wimbayana, you know, I, I think he's going to be truly great. I really do. But the problem I see with him now, he's a 7'4 guy who can do play on the, on the perimeter, like a six, seven guy. That's the good news. The bad news is a a whole bunch of six, seven guys can do it better. (laughs) And, and so until he gets his body stronger, which he will and can go inside and use his athleticism more. But uh, so that's, you know, that's take on that, that he's not ready for hall of fame induction just yet. Sure. You know, it's probably going to take two more probably take about two more years and and scoot henderson the same thing yeah i mean uh you know no reason to believe he can't be really good but there's no indication that uh, hall of fame status is there yet either or even all-star status so you know but that's uh typical of things uh you know that that's probably the you know the two things that have uh struck me as much as anything that i've been i always interested in the uh, big trades, you know, the Dame Lillard. I'm just not sure, you know, I wasn't, wasn't sure, and I'm still not sure it's going to be make them better. Uh, I don't think it'll hurt them, but I think Drew Holiday will make the Celtics better. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, and I don't know if Bradley Beal is going to play basketball this year, so it's hard to <laughs> – He <laughs> <laughs> may take a, take a year off. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Tony what about you what have you seen two quick things one that i guess i guess people don't, probably don't want to hear either of these two things cuz they're not very fun from the kings perspective but uh one thing is the portland situation with the andre ayton does not look great so yeah. <laughs> another team in the western conference i don't need to worry about this year and then uh the thing everyone really doesn't want to hear is i was watching um mavericks versus brooklyn i think it was on friday and Luca is just unbelievable the shots that he hit oh, at the yeah. end of that game, oh my god i thought i was over it i thought i was over it uh, over the king's not drafting but i did have some moments on friday <laughs> night like god damn he's so good um so that's my only th- only t- luca still good that's my take <laughs> boy i've watched the
0: same thing tony and i've <laughs> never really got off the luca bandwagon Whatever yeah. else was the no, yeah. guy's the guy's uh, the guy's, uh, uh you know, once a generational talent, that's yeah, just yeah. what he is. I don't, you know, you put some decent players with him, he'll win. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, he's the difference maker. I mean, he was playing with maybe the worst roster in the league last year. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's not much better this year. No.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the only thing I'll add, uh, Jerry, I too was watching Scoot play. Uh, seven points a game, 33% from the field, 8% from three. He's averaging more turnovers and assists. That, that's a little rough to start. Uh, but I'm as a tank commander. I'm watching all these all these young crappy teams <laughs> and trying to figure out who's doing it right and who's not. Um, one guy who I saw was doing it right: uh, Jalen Duran for the Pistons. 18 points a game, 15 rebounds a game, 80% shooting. He's averaging four assists on top of all of that. Again, through three games, he he, he could he could wind up falling flat on his face after this. But that kid is really, really good to start the season, and only nineteen years old. That's absolutely crazy to me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too on that team, and I, I watch him a little bit. Uh, you know, Jaden Ivey's coming off the bench now. You know, and, yeah, uh, uh, which I mean, he's playing well, I think, but he's coming off the bench. Uh, but my real take is Marvin Bagley is playing a, a lot more than James Wiseman, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know, and, and I, I I shouldn't you know be so giddy about it but I mean the Warriors may have become you know basically they got the next Darko Millicent you know <laughs> when they when they had the second pick in the draft and really could have helped themselves stay yes. on top and just like Detroit did years ago when they passed on so many guys that were better you know not that every team hasn't done that but I always say with the Warriors if they had done it right I mean not that they're not still good really good but <laughs> But, but that was their chance to say championship, serious championship contenders. And this didn't happen.
1: Jerry, I was recently in Montreal for the uh, Oklahoma City-Detroit Pistons um, exhibition game. And uh, I, I, you know, thanks to Chris Yang for inviting me out. I had a fantastic time while I was there. But while I was watching that game, as a Kings fan, I was haunted for two reasons. One, the very first possession of the game, Marvin Bagley dunks on Chet Holmgren which as an OKC uh, lover as well, that was particularly hard to see. And then during some random time out, like, hey, folks, look who's here. Derek Fisher was there getting his his jersey retired. And so as a Kings fan, flying on behalf of the Thunder to go watch the Thunder play, I got to see Marvin Bagley and I got to see Derek Fisher, two of the people that haunt me most in my Kings fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Out in Canada thousands of miles away from home i couldn't stand it and i i had made it my goal not to talk about marvin bagley this season for any reason and you gave me the chance and now i have to now i have to whine about that so marvin bagley congratulations on being better than james wiseman in detroit stay there stay there as long as you want okay so um we're gonna tony we're gonna roll over to the patreon you got a question for us
2: I do. Uh, thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can submit questions at patreon.com slash kingsherald or the website or Twitter. Uh, we ask one question on the podcast here. All leftover questions get answered in a Patreon-exclusive Q&A, so you can subscribe to us on Patreon and get that once a month for all the other questions get answered. We kind of danced around this topic, but Tom L. asked it in a way that I think is a little bit more direct. Maybe we can answer this question uh, today on the podcast. Tom asks what would a successful Davion Mitchell run look like in these next few games while Fox is out hitting his threes and playing his usual solid defense while getting keeked in other guys going question mark. So Jerry, what do you think? What's what will make you look back at Davion's run here without Fox and think it was a successful run for him?
0: Well, I think he has to, I'd say these are kind of minimum things I would be expecting, uh, you know, 12 points, six assists, uh, Terrific defense as you, you know, usual, stay out of foul trouble. Uh and you know, and shooting at a winning percentage and 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 a productive shot, uh, point to shot thing. I look at that a lot. I still believe that's the that's why, you know, I'm so impressed with Fox and Sabonis. They're always 1.4, 1.5 point per shot, which is, you know, it's that's big time winner numbers. And so, you know, for him, he needs to be at a better than a 1.3 point per shot. If if he can do that, then, then we'll say there's still reason to believe he's on the right track.
2: Will, do you have a, any metrics or just a feeling that you'll get if, if looking back and and being able to say this was a successful run for Davion without Fox?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to uh in um it was February or March of his rookie season, Fox went out for a little bit and he had like a 10, 12 game run there where he averaged double digits in each of those games. He played good defense. I think he averaged like 19 points over a 10-game period of time. I don't need him to average 19 points a game for this to be successful, but I do need him to average like 12 to 14 and continue to play good defense and be able to, to not stop the ball but move the ball in an offense that seems similar to what the, the Kings are running with Fox. Uh, I think the biggest thing is is if he wants a chance to start, if he wants a chance to prove his value in the league, there is no better opportunity than right now. You know, when Steve Kerr went out and Luke Walton got to coach the the Warriors that one season, that made Luke Walton a lot of money because the Warriors were able to stay afloat with Luke Walton coaching it, which looking back now is a much bigger task than what, what uh what what it should have been. Luke Walton got a lot of hype for that. I think this is Davion Mitchell's Luke Walton moment, in the sense that, hey, buddy, the the head guy's out you get your chance now to prove that you belong in this league. And if he doesn't take advantage of it, if Davion starts and it's a five points and a steal and oh, he's playing good, good defense and he's getting a highlight reel on the defensive end, but he's not really doing much. I, I, I don't see a case where, you know, he stays long-term in Sacramento. I think he it's, this is like the make it or break it moment for Davion right here. These next six to eight games with Fox out, this is his moment. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it, but he he definitely needs to show that he can score, that he can pass, that he can play defense on a level where he's playing 25 to 30 minutes a night. Okay. So Jerry, we'll, we'll roll over to you two for the uh for the Reynolds wrap up. What do you got for us today?
0: Well, you know, probably not much. Uh, you know, other than the fact that uh, you know, the Kings are now two and one and you know, we you know, we get high and low, you know, the Warriors thing. And then now the Lakers thing, but really if you could go two and one all year long, uh, you know, that's, you know, that, that makes for a good year. And the last, the other thing that struck me was that the big thing about this team that I want to see and you want to see, we all want to see, and we're not sure of yet is how good is this team going to be at home? You know, we had a, had a, you know, one and one—that's not good enough. And so, uh, to me, the next thirty games or so, we'll get a, a better feel of that because I think this team can't count on being as good on the road as they were. I hope they are, but that was an amazing season. So this year, you know, they've just got to be a, in my mind, a close to thirty-win team at home.
1: Well, for uh, for everyone here at uh, the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys for another episode um we are running on down to the uh to the next thing so that we can do a patreon episode so stay tuned for that as well if you're not a member of our uh, patreon i think you can get get on it as for as little as a dollar or two dollars and you get these bonus episodes that jerry and tony are are, are gonna do right now and um if not hey thanks for supporting us any way you can thanks for listening and uh we'll see you after a very interesting two weeks so we, we will uh (laughs) we'll have a lot to talk about in a couple of weeks and we'll see you then.
0: Yeah. We'll seem smarter or dumber in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much guys.